EJ, 2019, you had a pretty good year. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a weird year, but it was not a bad <laughs> year. Like, I feel like everything, I came out on top. Yeah. This was the year you signed with your agent, right? Uh, no, that was actually last year. Um, so basically, <laughs> I'm missing all of 2019 because everything I researched for this episode, it was like 2018, 2018. I was like, <laughs> what did I do in 2019? It's like it didn't even happen. It's just a whoosh. I got to say, um, I feel the same way. And uh, I don't know if you saw, there's a really fantastic BuzzFeed article about how various elements of like digital life and technology is just really warping what we've come accustomed to is how we process time. So part of that is things like how we're watching TV, but also how we're accessing all sorts of media. And then of course, social media is part of it too. And just how we're processing everything. But like, so one piece of this, I am not doing a very organized uh, synopsis of this, but we'll, we'll throw the link in the, uh, the notes for this episode so that everyone can read this and um, you can read it too. But um, so one way that our time since has really been warped is um, for example, we used to watch our TV shows on like a, a very predictable, consistent weekly rhythm, right? Like your show's on on Wednesdays at eight. But now most of the time we're just like binging it all in a blur. We're waiting for it to drop. Right. And then you watch it as, Fast as you can, so there's no spoilers. Right. And so not only is that like, where did Saturday go? (laughs) But it's also like that rhythm of each week at this time is gone. And so things start to blur together. And then another part of it was things like, you know, Netflix is such a bottomless pit. So something that happened in the 90s didn't just happen in the 90s anymore. You know, people can rediscover it at any time. So Friends so Friends is a big example of this because it's becoming hot all over again as people get nostalgic or new people find it or whatever and whatnot. Um, yeah, I walked through, like, so where we go to the movies, it's in, like, this little outdoor, it's like a mall, but it, everything's, like, outdoor, like, shopping area. And there's, I can't remember the name of the store, but it's like a very like late teens, early twenties type store, um, which makes me feel so ancient, <laughs> but it had like friend stuff in the window. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. what? <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's a very trendy hipster, uh, like coffee shop restaurant down the street from me now. And their whole bit is that they're like nineties themed. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah, I know. Like, well, yeah. And some of the things that I never would have thought would come back are like way back, like totally back. Like I've been seeing a lot of just like with my day job, I have a lot of clients who are younger and like seeing scrunchies and chokers and those chokers that are like plasticky that kind of look like headbands. Oh, yeah. But they're like for your neck and crushed velvet. Yeah. And the straight skirts with the ruffles around them. I'm like, I had that when I was 11. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, anyway, I kind of took us on a heavy philosophical. No, I love a trip down memory lane <laughs> like that. How was your 2019 oh. though? Oh my God. I don't even remember it. So it must've been great. I need to ask some people how it was for me and then they can tell me because I like, don't even know. It it was pretty good. It was very busy. We moved into a new house and, um, 
I had a book come out that was um, basically a compilation of three novellas I had written, and I started something new. So it was, it was. Um, besides the big move, it was a pretty normal year for me. But I will tell you, I am so excited for twenty January first is like my favorite day of the year. <laughs> Like, it just feels like a clean slate. I love it. I don't feel like that at any other time uh, of the year. Like, I seriously look forward to New Year every year. I'm like, yes, this is it. Like, I'm such an optimist on this one day of the year. And the rest of the year, I'm like, get off my lawn. But on January 1st, I'm like stopping to smell the flowers. So I'm very excited about the new year and the new decade. Yes, no kidding. Which brings us to this episode where we are going to look back on 2019 and maybe a little further back. We'll just have to see see where we go with it. We shall see. Dark and twisty roads ahead. Um, I will say, though, <laughs> I'm pretty proud of my reading this year. I read 34 books, and I am a very slow reader. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I set my Goodreads challenge and then promptly abandoned it and so I have I feel like I read a lot but I always forgot to log what I was reading so it this one thing that was weird for me this year was I started new jobs like twice before I got settled and it's just been a blur of that so I read sporadically I guess I don't know my whole year was sporadic my best time to read is actually on metro because that's my commute to and from work. So I don't have to be watching the road. I'm not driving. I'm just writing. So what I started doing is about halfway through the year, I think, I finally downloaded the Libby app, which lets you connect to your library through your phone. Oh, awesome. And ever since then, I have just been binge listening to book after book after book. It's like Audible, but you don't have to pay a subscription or wait for your next credit come up. It just like you get in queue to put your book on hold because they have so many like credits for people to listen to it at the same time. Uh, And then it comes up and you just do it. It's so good. And it you it like works with your local library. Mm -hmm. So like if they have it, then you can listen to it. Yes. That's amazing. How did I not know about this? Look, I really need to embrace, if I can embrace audiobooks like full on, which I love a good audiobook, but usually the time I think about it, it's like I'm in the car, I'm ready to go. I'm like, what do I listen to? Oh crap, let me look through Audible. Let me figure this out real quick. And then it's like, ah, I'm going to pay $30 for this book. Do I really want it? So this sounds amazing because I spend so much time in the car and uh, like my parents live like an hour from me. And yeah, that would really help with my reading. Cause I see everybody's like list. I'm like, when are they reading all these books? But it must be audiobooks. That must be a big thing, big part of it. I think you're right about that. Um, they're just so hot right now. So hot right now. That's a 90s. Do you have a flashback? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite of 2019? Uh read? See, it's hard for me to choose. I gotta say, I did not feel like I had as many reads that I really dove into and was totally immersed and obsessed in as I usually do in a typical year. I don't think that's a reflection on the books I read necessarily. I think it has more to do with just this is a year that just totally consumed me. I became part of the leadership team at my uh, public relationship, my public relationship, public relations agency. 
And so it just kind of, we had a lot of ups and downs and I was right in the throes of every single one, uh, you know, in terms of just workflow and demand. So that just took a lot out of me, I think, uh, just energy wise and attention wise. But I did read a number of books that I would definitely recommend to other people. Um, I also have a list and we can get to this, of 2019 regrets, books that came out this year that I have not gotten to yet. And it's just eating me from the inside because I know they're so good. I hear everyone else talking oh, yeah. about them. But in terms of what- I have a couple of those too. Yeah. Okay. But in terms of what I read this year, that was really good. Um, one thing I did this year that's been really fun, and I'm not quite done with it yet, but I started over on one of my favorite series and have been reading it all the way through. Not exactly in sequence, but this is probably the closest together I've ever read any books in a series other than like Harry Potter, which there's been a few times where I've read them all right in a row, back to back to back over like the holidays. Um, but the series is the Miriam Black series by Chuck Wendig. And it's just so gritty and weird and super, super dark. It's urban fantasy, but it's kind of horror thrillery too. Mm-hmm. Um, every single one has a murder mystery in it. And Miriam, the whole thing with her is if she touches you, she can see how you're going to die. So she's kind of a grifter and she'll go around and like wait for people to die because she knows when it's going to happen and then like steal their stuff. And that's how she survives. But, you know, she's got a whole tragic history. And then like there's this demon that's in her head. And so it's not necessarily for everyone, but I've always thought it was a lot of fun and really unique, and it's got a real good rhythm to it. So I'm on the final book right now. It's the final of the series? Like, it's going to be the last one? It is the last one. Oh, okay. So this book has been on, like, this book, these books have been on my radar for a while, and uh, it's just been a situation where, like, I hear about them, like, from you and from other people. I'm like, this sounds amazing. This, like, checks all my boxes. This is everything I want to read in a book. Mm-hmm. And then I like go to Barnes and Noble or I go to the library and I get completely overwhelmed and forget about <laughs> it. So I'm writing it down right now because I love that concept, like that idea for the character. Uh, so that was one thing that I did that was a little different this year. And then um, a lot of the rest of what I read was kind of catching up on things that I've known I've wanted to read for a while. And then once I got Libby, I just started queuing things up like mad. Um, so I read, um, Victoria Schwab's series. Um, what was the first one? The second book in the duology is Our Dark Duet. In the first one. Our, the Savage yes, Song. thank you. The Savage Song. So I yeah. read those. So good. Um, I read The Cruel Prince by Holly Black and thought that was really lovely. Yeah, so let's pause for a second. So I want to talk about that a minute. I was so excited for The Cruel Prince because I love holly black like worship at the altar of holly black think she is incredible and i read that book and it was so good but i don't know if it was because i like just think she's so great that it wasn't as good as i wanted it to be um but it was very interesting but did you read the wicked king it actually uh-huh. so the cruel prince came out in 2018 but the wicked king and the queen of nothing came out in 2019 read the cruel prince it's good but the Wicked King is probably, it's definitely my favorite fantasy YA of the year. But it might be in my top three of okay. the year. Anyway. And it is so rare for a second book in a trilogy to be the one. That's you know very what I mean? true. Like, 
Yeah. It, to me, it was so much stronger than the first one, but I understand why, because the world building is mm-hmm. so vast and setting up the characters is so like, there's so many, so much depth to them that a lot of that happened in the first book. And so we were able to just get right to it in the wicked King. And she had more real estate to really invest into, I guess the arc, the plot and boy, does she do it. It's amazing. And actually the queen of nothing just came out in November and I have it. I haven't read it yet. I'm using it to bribe myself to finish edits. Um, I can't read it until I'm done, but everybody's like, it's even better. It's even better. So I'm about to like, I have been avoiding spoilers. Like, uh, <laughs> like a ninja, like, just don't talk about it. Don't tell me. And so far I've been successful, but you need to read like the wicked King is just it's, amazing. It's in it my queue so right good. now. I'm so excited. That's really great to hear. Well, let me tell you. So like I read the cruel prince, like I rushed out to get it, read it. And I was like, and okay, I'm not being fair. It is a very good book, but I, like I said, I hold Holly black to like <laughs> such a high unfair standard. <laughs> Um, that I was like, oh, okay. That I bought the Wicked King and it sat in my car for a while, like like months. Mm. And then I finally read it and I read it in like a night. And I was like, what? Holy hell, why did I just let this sit in the backseat of my car for three months? This is amazing. <laughs> so it is definitely worth it. I'm excited. Um, but what did you love this year? Um, this year I have a couple of books. Several movies, actually, several things that I was excited about that maybe didn't quite do it for me, something that I would like to forget. (laughs) So right now, my reading is all over the place to the point I'm actually having a hard time remembering everything I read. Um, We talked about Vengeful, which actually came out in 2018, but I read it, I think, at the beginning of 2019, so I'm going to count it. And I really liked it because Vicious is one of my favorite books. And uh, it's been a while since I read it, but I remember it being one of my favorite books, and I loved it. There is an urban fantasy series by Patricia Briggs called the Mercy Thompson series. And I have been reading that series since the early 2000s. And I was all in on that series. It used to be my favorite. I loved it. Like, it was real big around the same time the Suki books were real big. And it's just better. She's just, I'm sorry, Charlene, but Patricia's just a better writer. And she's just amazing. So so hold on there, because uh, Mercy Thompson, I think I've heard this before, but I don't really know a lot about it. So what's the uh, the premise there? So the premise is it's um, you have werewolves, fae, and vampires, and they're completely different in this world than in a lot of the other worlds. Like the vampires are real nasty. Like they're not sexy. They prey on humans. Um, but, and then you have the werewolves that the whole like first half of the series, they are like, people don't know about them. And then you have the fae, which people do know about, but they're terrified of. And the government has actually forced them to live on these uh, fae reservations and like they hide their power. And it's just these typical urban fantasy stuff happens, but the characters, she does characters so well that it, it really sets it apart. And the main character is actually a coyote shifter that has ra- that was raised by werewolves. And it's just really good. But the, the series is so big that I had kind of gotten to the point. I was like, okay, maybe it's time for it to end. Maybe it's time to wrap this up. It's going on too long. And then she released, Patricia Briggs released this year, um, Storm Cursed. 
And it was so good that it made me like fall in love with the series again. Wow. I was like, yeah, she's back. It like just brought it back around. And I was so happy because it was one of those I bought. I like pre-ordered it, but I was kind of like almost like a sad read. Like I ordered it because I always order the books. You know what I mean? Like when you're in a series, I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. And I read it on vacation and it just blew me away. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and it's it's not like a, like a real deep book. It's not like a real like thought-provoking book. It's just entertainment, just pure fun entertainment. The plot is fast. There are some very interesting characters, some new urban fantasy creatures I had not heard of before. You have a witch that can control the dead. So there and necromancy always kind of plays a part in these books. They're they're just fun. They're like so fun. Well, and I have a huge amount of respect for any author who can do those types of serial uh, novels where it's all the same character in the same world and it kind of delivers that same satisfaction for their readers over and over again and manages to build without losing that that thing that it has, especially just coming out of writing the fourth and final book in my third Realm War series. It's just like a... It's been hard. Like each book in that series was so much harder than the one before it. In this last one, just all year long was just like a, a, I don't know, like wrestling alligators or something. And so an author who can go like 10, 20 books deep into a series and keep delivering that thing. And she just keeps like expanding her world and adding to her magic magic systems. And it may be because I haven't like binged them back to back. Maybe there's some inconsistencies, but as a person that reads the new release, like every year, I've never noticed anything that's been like, wait a minute, how can that happen? Because, you know, three books ago, you said this couldn't happen. Like she is very smart with it. Like she expands her magic systems. She expands her worlds. There's like this political aspect with the Fae and she manages to keep everything straight which like I have a lot of respect for because like in my series my cast of characters has gotten so big that I have to draw like charts um to keep it straight so and and I've she's like so many books like she's been doing this series for like 10 years wow all right this is getting added to my goodreads I'm gonna make a study of this that's awesome and what are you reading right now Right now, um, I'm actually not reading fantasy right now. I'm reading Brene Brown, and the book is called Rising Strong. So it's a book about what you do when any sort of failure happens and how you get yourself back up from it. So I really like that from a creative standpoint, but um, it's also talking about a lot of just personal stories and she kind of gets into the ugly side of her own process through certain things. And it kind of talks about relationships and work and all sorts of, it's just all over the map in terms of the types of failures, both big and small, but it all just kind of talks about this particular process that's emerged from her research. So I'm a big, big fan and failure is actually moving you forward. So uh, yeah. It's been interesting. It's a chance to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> How about you? I'm reading The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern, who wrote The Night Circus. And it. I am halfway through, and it is beautiful. And I think you will love it, and here is why. It has that same literary, magical feel 
that her fearful symmetry had. Um, The characters, like none of that is similar, like at all, but it did remind me of that book, like in just tone and feel. And I was like, oh, I actually thought, oh, you do. She'll like this. Um, And it's really funny because there's a, a writing podcast I listen to. And one of the guys on there that I usually agree with on books and like, I just adore listening to them. He didn't care for this book. And I was like, what? No. So it's also subjective on what people are going to like. Cause I, I am in love with it. Like every sentence is beautiful. Um, and you have like your main plot that takes place like nowadays, but then there's little stories like dispersed throughout it from a book that one of the characters has. And the stories are just like, they're fairy tales. And you know, the author, Erin Morgenstern wrote them for this book, but they could have just, they could have been around forever. They're beautiful and they don't feel like something that a modern person would have Mm. created. You know what I mean? And it just works. It doesn't feel wordy to me. It doesn't feel drawn out. It just works. And now I'm finally, it's taken a while to kind of get to like the main plot. So I'm just getting into that. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, there's secret libraries and door, like underground and doors that you can draw and open and secret societies and just a little bit of everything. And an owl king. Wow. Very, very, I don't know. It's just pretty. That sounds dumb, but it just is. And even though it's taken like um, this far to like really figure out the plot of this book, I haven't felt that way. Like I haven't felt like, mm-hmm. come on, get on with it. Like it's just so beautifully written that I've just enjoyed it. Like I've enjoyed every page. And her last book, The Night Circus, I thought was just pretty. Uh you know, there are these warring wizards and they've got their apprentices warring against each other too, but everything they do is a display of their power is described as so elegant and artful that I could just, I'm not usually a description person. I want action, but I could read her descriptions for a year easily. They're just, they're incredible. Okay. I'll have to make sure I pick that up. That's exactly, you could say exactly the same for the Starless Sea. But there's enough of, she leaves, she doesn't reveal things too quickly to where it, it, it definitely piques your interest. Like, I love it. It probably won't be for everybody. Um, it's definitely way different than the urban fantasy book I just got through talking about. <laughs> but I am just, I'm in love with it. Speaking of lovely and strange um, I don't know if you know Kevin Wilson. He wrote The Family Fang uh, several years ago, but his new book came out this year. It's called Nothing to See Here. In The Family Fang, my first thought about that book was that it was going to be vampires. It's not. It's not speculative at all, but it was so eccentric in its characters that it felt like it had something speculative about it. I'm obsessed with it. Um, highly recommend that one. That's one of my top books of the decade. Easy. But who was it again? Kevin Wilson. Kevin Kevin Wilson. Wilson. Um, but his new one, Nothing to See Here, is about a woman who becomes the nanny for these children. And then no one warns her that they just spontaneously burst into flames. And so she's like trying to put them out 
like literally on fire and like trying to like figure out what causes it and like all sorts of like weirdness. And that's everything I know about this book right now, but I'm just so in love with the family thing that I will read anything he drops. So I'm very excited. I, I'm going to, as a former nanny, I'm going to look for this book because I never had children burst into flames, but some of them almost maybe. Right. <laughs> so definitely Kevin Wilson, nothing to see here. That's great. So 2019 brought us, um, actually, I think it brought a couple of things to closure to a couple of series. So there are a couple things that we definitely have to talk about. Um, one of those, I think, is Game of Thrones. Yeah, good call. That happened. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. I had such high hopes. And we won't spend a lot of time on it because everybody at this point that watches Game of Thrones has talked about it to death. But we have to at least talk about it if we're going to do a 2019 look back episode. Because it's such a cultural phenomenon. It, it's just this, it was this huge part of just popular culture. And it came to an end in a way that in the beginning, at least, I don't think left anyone satisfied. And then after some time passed and we were able to digest it, a lot of us were able to say, okay, I'm still not happy with that ending. This, like for me personally, I felt like the story was okay. They could have done that with the story. I wasn't happy with how they treated Daenerys, but whatever. They could have done that with the story, but they rushed it. Like we have seasons where it takes a whole season to get from one place to another. And suddenly in this final episode, we're making this like epic journey. Like I feel like we crammed two, maybe three seasons into one season just to wrap it up. And I feel like that was the problem. Like it was the difference between in a book that shows you a story in a book that's just telling you a tale. And it felt like the final season of Game of Thrones was like your really like charismatic friend giving you a recap of the final season of Game <laughs> of Thrones. Like that's what it felt like to me. I was like, oh, okay. So this happened. 10 minutes later, this happened. And uh, I'm supposed to feel a certain way because they told me I should feel that way. But uh, instead I got nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, and for me, I think a big part of my struggle with this final season was that the conclusion of this series was so dissonant from what originally made me fall in love with it. Because what I really loved when I got hooked in season one, season two, was the unpredictability of the twists. The yes. extremely uh, intense, sudden violence of it right the like yeah season one ned stark like i would have never thought that that would happen before mm -hmm. game of thrones and then you know what is it season three i don't know what season it is but with the red wedding and yeah it was just like one twist after another and then suddenly it was like it played out almost like fan service like these are the things that has to happen and it was such a cynical calculated world Everyone, even the really good characters, had to be really good, thoughtful strategists to maneuver around the bad people, or you weren't going to get anywhere. You could trust no one, and if you did, you were going to get bit in the ass and probably beheaded, and that's just how it was. And then by the end of it, we've got Cersei and Jaime like, dying together in this romantic final moment after everyone for several seasons has been trying to be the one to get to Cersei and murder her first. 
Like, I wish they had at least acknowledged that. We're going to have to stop and talk about Cersei for a minute. Because Cersei spent seven seasons screwing every single other person over in every way. And I love her. She was a larger-than-life character, and she deserved to be a larger-than-life ending instead of being at the wrong place. Uh, It's infuriating. With her lover, who, okay, is another thing, and, like, her brother, whatever, and letting that part go. Yeah, that's, like, not even a thing anymore in Game of Thrones world. But she didn't, like, it wasn't even just that she deserved that. It was that she got it without having to, like, dodge anybody. Like, I would have loved an ending for her where, I don't know, like, Arya and all of the other people who, like, had it out for her for whatever reason, because so many people wanted her dead, were all trying to, like, get to her first to murder her. Like, I would love a, this is, like, a, a chess thing throughout the final season where each one of them is just like I'm getting to Cersei I'm gonna murder her and then it's like a race to get to her and then even if they were all like robbed of that chance because Jamie got to her first and then they died together that would have been such a better ending to me just by acknowledging it and Agreed. like having them 100%. all be robbed of their chance like nobody her. wanted to see her end up on the Iron Throne like that would have been a cop-out to me but but I would have rather that than than what happened. Like, yeah. So I feel like the whole battle with the Night King, like that should have almost been a season. Um, we certainly had lesser battles stretch out for longer in the series. Um, I feel like the whole thing with getting to Cersei's, that could have been Cersei. That could have been almost a season or definitely more than what it was. Yeah. Could have been a whole thing. Yeah, it should have been a whole thread. It should have been multiple characters' threads for a season. And Daenerys, her descent to madness, like, that's fine. You can do that, whatever. I don't like it, but I do like, a, <laughs> you know, whatever. But it was so rushed that it made no sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, she wasn't a perfect character. She was a very flawed character. Um, I see how she could get to that place but it's not believable that she got to that place that quickly for the reasons that she did to me I was just like eh. and it really like this is the first time that I have like been so invested in a show that hurt my heart outside of like x-men and then watching Logan which I mm. nobody agrees with me on that because everybody loves Logan and I freaking hate it but uh, <laughs> um so yeah like it's the first time that I've been that invested and then watched something and felt like people would say they like would feel betrayed. And I was like, I don't get it. It's just fiction. It's fine. And I felt that way. I was like, what? Yeah. I feel like you tricked me out of, you know, six years of my life. Many things went wrong. Yeah. And I just felt like the ending was also so optimistic. Yeah. In that In very unoptimistic world. Yeah. Yeah. Like nothing should have come out of that fixed. There's no way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So another thing that 2019 gave us that was actually really good. You want to talk about Good Omens? Oh my God. Yes. It was perfect. <laughs> I, I love it. I almost died over the uh, the entry sequence alone. Like just the credits. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, hold on. I'm looking up to make sure I pronounce this no- name right. <laughs> Um, I think 
this was another example of something like the world was so good and the characters were so good that, yeah, the plot was there. It was great. It ended kind of abruptly in the show. I don't know about the book. I'm sure there was more meat to it in the books. There's always more. Um, but it was good. But the characters, you like, they were done so good. Crowley and Aziraphale were, were so perfect mm -hmm. and perfectly cast. And there was that sort of asexual romance there that I just loved that I didn't even care about the plot at the end. I was like, oh, the Antichrist, who cares? Let's get more of Crowley and Aziraphale. Like, let's just watch their story. Um, which, of course, you couldn't have the other story without them. But totally... Probably on my best of 2019 list would be that series on Amazon Prime. Everybody's watched it by now that's listening to this <laughs> podcast. But if you haven't, you really should. Like, if you're listening to this, you're obviously interested in the things we're interested in. So you get like, it done. Get it done. Listen. Yeah. Handle it. Go watch it. I, like, I honestly didn't hear of anybody that had anything negative right, to say about right. it. Right. And I, uh, no, and I just thought that. Everyone was so perfectly cast. Um, I loved the uh, the young couple, Anathema and um, that, I don't remember his name, but the guy. They were adorable. I loved Anathema as a character in general. It's probably a good thing that I don't plan to ever have children because I would have to name her Anathema now and ruin her life. <laughs> um, but also just so many different things. I always, always love the trope of uh, bureaucracy in heaven. <laughs> bureaucracy in hell yeah uh that's a really good we should yeah. do a whole episode on that sometime that's pretty great um you know i'm already thinking of yeah. like three no, or four I, I like that, uh, that we could dig into for that one but they did it really really well here loved 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 john hannam as gabriel that was just genius casting uh so many that things. was good i'm not gonna lie like i came for david Tennant, but i stayed yeah. for everything <laughs> uh, so good like, I would watch him read the, I would listen to him read like the dictionary. I don't care. But yeah, everybody was cast so well. It was perfectly perfect, perfect. Did you have a favorite of the year or something mm. that stands out to you as just something super oh, great? Let's see here. I feel like I'm behind on everything, which makes it hard. Um, Good Omens was definitely up there. Um, man. I did really like Secession, but that's not really speculative. I haven't seen that. I highly recommend. It's a show or a book? It's, it's a, a TV show. show. Succession. Secession. It's on HBO. And you have to kind of power through the first episode because it's horrible. It, like, as, a, as in the characters <laughs> are so horrible that you don't even want to deal with it. But after that, they become a lot more complex and extremely interesting. And in particular, uh, so it's about a man who owns a media empire and his three children, his four children, three of whom are kind of entangled with the business and how they all kind of maneuver and play each other. And it's all about, you know, who can keep the power and steal the power and all sorts of stuff. Um, so, so the daughter on the show is just freaking fantastic. Siobhan. Um, so. And it's on HBO. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's incredibly top tier actors who I'd never seen before anywhere except for um, the father. I'm blanking out on who it is, but it, it's really excellent. Um, the Watchmen I started watching and then got distracted because I was already mid 
watch on other things. So I'm going to have to circle back on that. But so I've seen the title, The Watchmen. I haven't seen previews. I haven't really heard anything about it. Is, is that like, do you remember, is that the sh- related to the movie that came out, I guess about 10 years ago, The Watchmen, that was like based on a comic book? So it it's messier than that. So the graphic novel from the 80s is what it is. And then there's the adaptation film, which I think was early thousands. Yes. Probably about 10, 12 years ago. I think. Okay. And that was a pretty true adaptation of the graphic novel. This is different. It's like a show that takes place in the same world. Okay. But they're giving it the same title. Got you. Got you. Well, I'm going to check that out. I'm writing it down. Yeah. The first episode was really intriguing. And then um, Time Magazine, I think it was, just listed it among its best shows of the decade. Oh. Okay. What is it? It was number one. Is it on HBO, Netflix? That's HBO. HBO. So television is really where it seems like it's where it's at now, like with streaming services, because you can capture such a, I feel like a deeper plot than you can in like a two hour movie. Maybe there were definitely some great movies that came out, but man, we just got some killer, killer shows like the boys. Did you ever watch the boys? I did watch The Boys. Oh, that was excellent, too. I loved everything about that. I did, too. Everything. And when I watched it in the beginning, I was like, well, it's called The Boys, and it's all these men. And, you know, I was was prepared for basically just, like, some kind of, like, like, I thought it was going to be good, and I thought it would be tongue-in-cheek, but that it would be, like, there would be a serious lack of, like, female. Like, it would be, like, a sausage fest that knew that's what it was, maybe, if that makes sense. Like... But it has some great woman characters and it like, I feel like season one was setting up their arc to be phenomenal in season two, like Starlight and Queen, is it Maeve? I don't know how to say Maeve. it right. Yeah, you've got it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I especially love Starlight's character arc and seeing like where she came from and how she like ends up. And she's like this meek, like super conservative character in the beginning, especially she goes to like this, almost like this youth rally. And she notices there's like some homophobia and she's like, that's not that it wasn't always like this. And they're like, yeah, it was, it's always been like that. And she just never noticed it. Cause she just believed whatever anybody told her. And it's like, the scales have fallen off her eyes and she sees the world for what it is. And she's not like this super optimistic, but instead of becoming disillusioned, she's like, no, screw that. I'm going to make this better. And I was just like, hell yeah. And I'm so excited for season two of that, of the boys. And you know, who I really loved on that show in the first season was the, uh, the VP lady who was like managing all the PR stuff. Oh, yeah. God. She had absolutely no literal power, you know, like the superheroes did, but she controlled everything they did. And she was just cold. I forgot about I that. I loved her. Yes. She was so pragmatic and heartless. There was, yes, yeah, she was, man, she was, yeah, she was a badass. Um, in a, and it's so funny that 
to have a, a character without superpowers in a show be portrayed as, I guess, a badass like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and especially a female character I, to have that sort of like. Right. It's usually a male harsh role. approach to everything and calculating like that. Yeah. It was refreshing. It was refreshing. Like, so I had, it's been a while. This, this, the boys came out, I guess maybe this summer. So it's been a while since I watched it. Cause I watched it all in like two or three days and just sitting here talking to you about it. I'm like remembering all like the good stuff. I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that character. And then like how it came on and that woman was just like disintegrated from the train guy. And, and then like the, the woman that was kept in a cage and then got loosed on everybody and just like went nuts. It was like a complete badass. Yeah. Really good. Watch the boys. We had some good movies. We had Avengers Endgame and Cabin, Cabin, Captain Marvel. I couldn't even watch Endgame. I was so happy when all the superheroes started dying in the first half of that. I was just like, leave them dead. I'm done. I can't do any more Avengers. It's too big of a universe. Good, though. They brought it all to an end. You'll be happy to know. <laughs> but it is worth watching for Thor alone. Oh, my God. He is perfect in that. And he's just. Yeah, it was so, it's like Thor, I mean, I should be able to give spoilers at this yeah, point, I think. It's been out for a year. So like Thor, and it's, I don't rewatch movies unless I really, really like them. So I've, I've only watched it once because it's so long. So I'm trying to remember. Thor does something that depresses him. And so instead of being cocky Thor, he goes and becomes like Fortnite Thor and just eats pizza and drinks beer and plays Fortnite. And he gains a bunch of weight and he gets kind of like, like his hair gets all greasy and like his clothes don't fit him properly. And he's just becomes this complete, like doesn't care guy. But then he starts becoming himself again. And he's just so funny and like lovable and hilarious the whole time. Like, it's great. Um, I really wish I could say more about Endgame. I remember being like, I really thought they wrapped it up correctly. Like I really felt like they did a good job. It was this huge empire. Everybody's story was wrapped up well. Um, but that being said, not a lot has stuck with me as far as being able to remember specifics. Okay. So yeah, see, that's the thing. That's where I feel like I've gotten with all the Avengers movie. I'm just like, I don't know. There were some big fights. Characters said something quippy. Who was in it again? I don't even know. Um, everybody everybody was in it like just say a name and they were in it I mean um I will say this though it 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 kind of freaking figures though that they finally come to an end with Avengers and now they're like oh okay since finally we've proven that women superheroes can do things on screen I guess we'll make a Black Widow movie now that everything else is over I know I've been wanting a Black Widow movie. Well, we did get Captain Marvel, and I think that they will continue that franchise. And I did think that one was well done. It was. It was good. I really enjoyed it. It was like you said, though. Like, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. But at this point, having seen the actual Avengers movies with all of them, I have a harder time going back and seeing in-world singular superhero movies. So it would have been nice 
if they would have done Captain Marvel back when like Iron Man was coming out and Thor was coming out and it was all like this new like superhero resurgence, if we could have been like, hey, you know, give us a female superhero, give us, you know, give us Black Widow, give us Captain Marvel, anybody, you know, because mm-hmm. it was like, I guess, early mid 2000s is when it really just had this big resurgence and we started superheroes were cool again, you know? Yeah. And so we got, we got her at the very end. All right. Well, we've been chatting for quite a while here about 2019. Any final shout outs, things you'd wish you'd gotten to that you didn't? Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you a couple of things real fast. Books I wish I'd gotten to that are in my TBR pile that I have not read yet that I really want to. Um, they're actually both YA fantasy. One is Serpent and Dove by Shelby Mahurin, and the other is Kingdom of Souls by Rena Barron. Um, and I actually know both of these ladies just uh, through social media, and they are both just amazing authors and amazing people. And these books both look really, really good. When, um, yeah, I, 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 Scared I'll get something wrong, so I'm not going to say anything, but they both look amazing. Um, Lots of magic and unique magic systems. Um, Badass female characters. Um, What about you? I mean, yeah, I've scribbled quite a list here of 2019 regrets that I have not gotten to yet, but hope to get to shortly. Um, To shout out a couple here quickly, I would say Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Murr. I would say Wanderers by Chuck Wendig, which has been sitting in my to-be-read pile for half the year. Uh, I would say Magic for Liars, Sarah Gailey. And, oh, Black Leopard, Red Wolf by uh, Marlon James. That'll be my last shout-out. Okay. We need to put all these. We'll definitely get a list of our regrets and our favorites together for our listeners. I'll put that together. Maybe we can do it on Goodreads or something. So um, another kind of regret, I'm not going to list a lot here because I never want to be the person that like yucks on someone's yum, like that just shits all over somebody's (laughs) creative endeavor. But we could have all done without the new Men in Black movie. Oh, Men in Black is so nostalgic for me. I had no choice but to really enjoy it. You watched the new one though? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I also really love, um, I'm glad you liked it. That makes me feel better about me not liking it because I feel like it got a a fair shake. Like you didn't care for the Avengers and I was loving it. I'm not really loving men in black, but you liked it. So we're covered. Yeah. I will say this. I thought it was not as good as the first one because that one has a very special place in my heart, but better than the other sequels. I didn't even know there were other sequels. I remember the first one. I loved it. Oh, no, I do remember the other sequels. Yeah. Weird shit happened in the sequels. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I do also just really love Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemingway. So that made it a lot easier for me to throw it some love. Yeah, they made it easy to watch. I'll say that. And uh, a couple of weird movies. Happy Death Day to You. Could have done without that. Um, And also Us by Jordan Peele. I actually really liked this movie. You can't overthink it you have to go in wanting to be creeped out and wanting because the atmosphere is perfect in that movie Mm -hmm. and the characters are perfect in that movie don't overthink the plot just enjoy it and it's it's really good well and there's a lot of really fun internet reading to do afterward about little details that you would never 
catch on your own that really in depth. It. It's really <laughs> fantastic. So yeah, I will second that. Um, as far as regrets though, in terms of things that just really didn't need to happen, I will throw out the Joker. I didn't see it. Um, I want to see it. My husband refuses to see it. Um, I have no idea if this is true or not. So um, nobody like, like, I'm sorry if this isn't true, but he was like, I'm not watching that. That's like the incel movie of the year. (laughs) And so he like refused. And I was Mm. like, oh, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I heard a lot of critique of it in terms of like just feminist issues and crap and just toxic masculinity and that was enough for me to just be like mm, no I don't need to it. get into that I did I didn't so I should be careful what I smashed but I read enough critiques of it that I feel pretty comfortable in this particular one yeah well I haven't seen it and I have I didn't see it chapter two either I wanted to see that uh Joker I was kind of like on the fence about like I would have saw it if someone had been like hey do you want to see this movie but I wasn't, like, making special plans to go see it. And, like, honestly, I had heard nothing. I know this is terrible, but I hadn't really, like, looked into it or read about it. Or I would probably feel the same way that you feel, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll try to throw a link to one of those articles in there, too. Mary Sue had a good one, among some others. Um, but, hey, fans, readers, listeners, mom, I go ahead and uh, – <laughs> We know who's listening. Um, Hi, Mom. (laughs) But yeah, throw us uh, what your favorites of the year were or your wish you'd gotten to's or your things that you feel didn't need to happen at all. And uh, we'll chat you up in the comments. We would love to hear it. And if you think that if you're like a happy death day to you super fan and you don't like what I said about it, let me know. (laughs) You might be the only one. No, so yeah, I guess that's it for 2019. Our next episode, we look ahead for what we're most excited about for 2020. Uh, I think, and then what we're going that's what we're going to talk about, EJ. I think that's where we're going. That's what we're doing. We're going into the future. So, we will see you then. Till next time.